0: Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Dallas doesn't play till 325, so I'm planning to go to 315. God is good, amen. Man, I'm so glad to be here. So glad that God is guiding and directing our life. 2024, it's going to be a great year. I hope you all joined us. Many did. We had a great turnout for our online-only service last weekend, but it's good to be back in person, amen. And if you didn't uh, uh, participate in that service last weekend, I want to encourage you highly to go back and listen to that message. I really believe it could set your year, the pace of your year and the consistency of your year If you'll listen to it and do what God guides us and directs us to do. So I want to encourage you to do that. So today we're reading, I'm going to talk to you about the purpose of the challenge. You've been hearing about the challenge and I talked last weekend about the challenge. And today we're going to get the challenge started. And I'm anticipating and expecting that everybody who's a part of Summit Church will take this challenge. And uh, I want to add to this challenge. I want to add to this challenge one thing that we haven't said and that's this. I want you during this 21-day challenge to be at everything Summit does for that 21 days. Like commit, I'm going to be in church. I'm not going to miss a weekend. I'm going to be a part of it. When Watoto comes, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to bring some people with me. I want you to make that as a part of the commitment because I believe God has taken this distinctly taking us to another level and saying it's time for you to take a step up in your commitment. So I want you to be a part of doing that as well. So today I want to talk to you about the purpose of the challenge and let's get right into it. Read with me Matthew chapter 22 verse 37 through 40. It's a verse that's very common to all of us. We should probably be able to quote it, but let's read it together today. Everyone read, Jesus replied, love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and this is the first and the greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments father we thank you for your word planted deep in our heart cause it to bear fruit in jesus name we pray and everybody said let's give god one more hand clap of praise before we're seated And then you can be seated. Man, God is good. When I read Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40, it it can become somewhat of a uh, quotable type verse. Because we hear it so often, we can become so familiar with it that it loses its potency or purpose. And we need to go back and really look and study what this says because there is a context in which this is written. And the context that it's written in is a lawyer came to Jesus and was trying to trip him up. He was trying to make him say something that would get him in trouble or that would be against the grain or be some kind of situation that would not be... Uh, good for him. And when he asked Jesus, he said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus immediately answered what the greatest commandment was. He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, you may or may not realize this, but Jesus being the rabbi he was and being the teacher that he was, he was directly referencing Deuteronomy. He was saying, he was repeating something out of the law. And he was saying, look, This is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he was not asked to say what the second greatest commandment was. He volunteered that information all on his own. And he just said, look, and also the second is like it. That you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I think it's very important that we also understand that Jesus is saying to us that these two commandments that he gives us, encapsulate the entire word of God. They encapsulate all the prophets, all the law, and everything that God tells us to do is contained in these two verses. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Even if you look at the Ten Commandments, you'll see that the first Ten Commandments or the first five commandments are all devoted to God. This is how we should do this or, or, uh, I believe that's right. It may be the other way around. And then the second five are devoted to how we treat others. And what we need to understand is when God says that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love our neighbors as ourselves, He's saying if you'll do this, that covers it all. That covers everything. But Because we have to understand if you love God, you'll do what God says. And if you love your neighbor, you won't do ill to your neighbor. Okay, I'm gonna say it again. If you love God, you'll do what God says. And if you love your neighbor, you won't do ill to you. How do you covet after your neighbor when you love your neighbor? How do you commit adultery with your neighbor's wife when you love your neighbor? Right? How do you steal from your neighbor when you love your neighbor? So it's a really, it's a really good context for us to understand that Jesus is saying all this law is fulfilled in me and I'm telling you how to fulfill it. But what we have to see in this context is the word love because the word love denotes to us what this whole command or both of these commands are about and they're about one word relationship. They're not about legislation. They're not about religion. They're not about a a list of rules and regulations. That's not what this is about. This is about relationship. That's why the word love is used. Love is what puts in us this desire to do what God says. Love is what puts in us the, the way we should treat other people. And love is a relational word. It's all about relationship. A relationship matters. How many of you realize that relationship matters? It, it matters. We have, you know, when, when you have relationship with somebody, it changes the dynamic. You know, I remember one time I was training for a marathon and, uh, I had never run. I'd run up to like five or six miles at the most in my life at this point. Um, and, and I was training for that. I was preparing to run, I think, a, I was preparing to run a half marathon. I got injured and wasn't able to finish, but that's what I was training for. And I got to the seven-mile point. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this physically, but it is a reality. That sometimes your body doesn't want to do what your mind wants it to do. How many of you have ever experienced this? Like, you know that you want to do this. I've been training for this. I've been practicing for this. We had been warming up to it. I did a stupid thing and was warming up from totally out of shape, trying to get into marathon shape. Not a smart move, but that's what I did. I was younger and more stupid. And uh, I I had a friend that was going with me. He was kind of training me. He had run marathons before. He's really good at it. So we got to this point where we'd got past six miles and I was headed to seven. And man, I'm telling you, to at the end of that, at about six and a half, my body. Now, that, to, to those of you who are in shape and can just go run this, that that's awesome. I, 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 we all just love you and appreciate you. But but at that point in my life, there's no way I could do that. And I I was just like, I can't do it. And I and I started slowing. So I'm about six and a quarter, and I start slowing down my pace. You know, it's more like, I was running pretty good, and then it was more like, you know, this. And my body was literally saying, no, I'm not taking one more step. I'm not going one more step. You can't make me go, I mean, this is what was going on in my head. You're going to pass out. You can't do this. Just stop. You're hurting. It's horrible. And all of a sudden, I heard, get up here. And I'm like, I can't, man. And he saw that I was I got thirsty just thinking about it. Um, he, He saw that I was slowing. He saw that I was about to stop. And he just knew this was a pivotal point in our training. And he said, no, I'm not letting him stop. So he literally turned around and sprinted back to me. And he's running beside me, you know, kind of like sidestepping like this. And he's running beside me. That's how <laughs> slow I was going. And he's like, come on, you can do it. And he's talking to my ear, David, you can do this. Don't stop. Don't let your body tell your mind what to do. You tell your body right now, take another step. You can do this. And he just kept talking to me and kept talking to me and kept talking to me till finally we were at seven miles. And I finished it. I felt so accomplished. Broke that barrier and went on to run. I think the farthest I've run now is 16 miles but but the truth is i could never have gotten to anything above that unless someone in relationship with me challenged the limitations in me relationship matters when we get in the context of life relationship matters when we get Uh, 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 involved in challenging ourselves and challenging the limits of life and trying to be everything God's called us to be. It it matters that we are in relationship. And the most important relationship that we are in is our relationship with Jesus. Now it seems like everybody should know that and everybody who's a Christian would know that. But I just want to share with you that Man, a lot of people do not approach this thing we call Christianity as a relationship. Many of us, we approach it as a duty. We approach it as a legalism. We approach it as a, a responsibility. And all of those things are true about it. But that's not what it is. What Christianity is, being a disciple of Jesus, is being in relationship with Jesus. This is why he said love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's saying love God with everything. In other words, be in relationship with God. So the greatest commandment is to love God. The second is to love others as ourselves. So here here's what you can see when we when we look into that scripture, you can you you can literally see the flow of How God wants things to work because if I am in an effective relationship with God if I am listening to his word if I am praying and seeking his face if I am communing with him then that relationship helps me to understand how I should think about myself you know James talked about in James chapter one he said when you look into the perfect law of liberty you find yourself because you're you, if you're in relationship with Christ, you see someone looking back at you that's not you but Christ. He said, "But if we if we are double-minded, that we 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 are like a man that looks in a mirror and then goes away and forgets what he looks like." See, our identity isn't found in humanity. Our identity isn't found in humanistic ideology. Our our identity isn't found in what the world thinks or the opinion of others or the ideas of man. But our identity is found in Christ. So in a relationship with Christ is when I come to know myself best. Truly, until I know Christ, I don't know me. Because He created me. And He can tell me who I am. He can tell me what... Uh, I am meant to be. He can tell me the purpose he created me for. And when I know him, I know me better. So when I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then I know how to love myself. And out of the love that I have for myself, I love others as I do myself. In other words, I put other people on equal standing with the way I feel about me. Matter of fact, the Bible even goes further and says loving others means to defer to them. Make them better than you. So we really need to understand that it's in this relational context and relational flow that God is trying to create in us the ability and empower us to be able to keep all the prophets and all the law. Well, Well, we don't live under the law anymore. No, we don't live under the law. The law has been fulfilled in Christ. Now we receive Christ, have a relationship with Him. That law is written on our hearts. Now I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I want to. Because my nature has changed, because now my nature is Christ. The purpose of the challenge, and the reason we're doing this, is to develop uh, a relationship with God. That's the whole point. Reading the Word, studying the Word, is not something you want to check off a box, okay? It's, we're not saying, hey, let's all be really religious, and let's make sure we get our reading done and our prayer done. No, it's about communing with God. You can't say you have a relationship with someone if you never speak to them. You you, you can not say you have a relationship with someone if they never speak to you. That's utterly ridiculous. And your relationship definitely can't grow and become more intimate if there's not communion or communication between you two. So when we start a relationship with God, that's just it. It's just a start. Jesus describes this to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 as being born again. So when a person makes this decision to follow Christ and God touches their life, it's like they're a baby. It's like they're a baby. And, 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 and that is the truth. They are actual in actuality a spiritual baby. Because now when the Holy Spirit touches your spirit and it comes alive and we're born again, the theological term would be regeneration. When that happens in us, it starts us. It's a brand new thing. Now I want to do right. I may not always do it right because my soul needs to be renewed. My mind, will, and emotions need to be renewed according to the Word of God. But my spirit wants to do right. Because my spirit wasn't even involved before. But now that I know Jesus, He's awakened me. It's like a resurrection happened on the inside of me. And so now that I am born again, a relationship has started. A relationship that's so important. It's it's the most important. You know, if you ever study uh, childhood development, you, if you ever read about how a baby or how a child develops, you'll come a, 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 along a concept called failure to thrive. Now, what failure to thrive is, is... Uh, This inability for a child to grow and to develop because of something they're lacking. Uh, And what they are lacking is emotional and relational connection. Did you know a baby can be born and can be taken care of physically... But when that baby is not loved on, not cared for, not hugged, not cuddled, not spoken to, not loved on, not smiled at, not, not, not uh, communicating together. When that doesn't happen, when that doesn't happen, there are literally, you can take a scan of their brain and you can see these black spots where uh, a synopsis was supposed to form and a pattern was supposed to be created. That is not and was not, and that child will fail to thrive, not because he wasn't fed, not because she wasn't physically taken care of, but because they were not loved, they were not treated affectionately, they were not related to. Now think about that. God creates us in a way that in order for us to thrive, relationship has to happen, Think about that. God created us that way. That, that, that we need the affection of our mother and dad. We need the affection of our siblings. We need the affection of our friends. We need relationship. And what happens if, if the brain doesn't form correctly with, without connection, without relationship, then neglect breeds dysfunction and distortion of the identity of that person. Even if they're physically taken care of, their development is stunted because they are failing to thrive because they haven't been related to. The same is true, listen very carefully to me. The same is true in our Christian life every day. Remember, when we come to know Jesus, it's a start. When we come to know Jesus, it's a start. It's not the end, it's the beginning. Most of us in our culture today, Christians treat it like the end. I came, I prayed a prayer, I got baptized, that's the end. Now I'm going to heaven and everything is fine. That is not the end. It's just the very beginning. And if you don't continue down that path of growth, then your growth is stunted and you will fail to thrive as a believer. The same is true of every Christian in every relational context with God. We need the presence of God. We need intimacy with God. We need to be held by Him. We need to be spoken to by Him. We need to be encouraged by Him. We need to be touched by His hand. I remember a few years ago, well, almost 30 years ago now, uh, Taylor, you most of you know the story about how Taylor was born. Uh, Taylor was not supposed to live, Uh, she was born dead, 15 minutes, APGAR scores, none, zero. No oxygen to the brain, no heart, nothing, she was dead. And uh, just because we had some godly doctors and we were praying and other people were praying, we didn't even realize how bad the situation was. We didn't, we were so young, we didn't really know what was going on until after it happened and then we realized, oh my God. You know, that's why every time she gets up here and sings, it blows my mind. Because after that happened, they came into our room with all these pamphlets saying, this is what's going to be wrong with her. She's probably going to be deaf. She could have multiple sclerosis. There's all kinds of different things that could be wrong with her. So you need to be watching this and watching that. And every time she gets up and breath leaves her lungs, I just think of how she was born. And I think of what God did. And I think of the power of God to intervene. But that night, after she was born and we realized everything and how traumatic everything was, we're sitting in our room and she was in the nursery. And they brought her to us in the middle of the night so she could eat. And I'll tell you, I'll never forget it. I don't know why that memory is so vivid to me, but I'll never forget sitting in that quiet, quiet hospital room Just me and Janae, nobody else. Just me and Janae and little Taylor. And we just held her. And we talked to her. And we prayed over her. And we listened to her coo. And we we just loved on her. And you know, when I think about that moment, do you know what I think about? I think that's what God wants to do with us. As believers, as his kids, his babies, his children. He, he wants those moments of quiet, those moments of stopping, those moments of him just talking to us and us just talking to him and just experiencing this compassion and this grace and this love. I feel like sometimes that's the reason some Christians get lost in it all and we forget who God really is and we, we forget what His identity really is and who He is and how He is. And I think it's that way because we don't spend any time with Him. I, I would say if there was anything God could say, if He would say, if He was to, if he was to send in this room right now, if He was to descend in this room right now and stand on this stage and say something to all of us, here's what I think He would say. I miss you. Because He wants that communion. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be your Father and your friend. He wants to be your savior, your creator, and your sustainer. He he, he wants to be your healer and your deliverer. He wants to be your guide and your wisdom. He, He wants to be the director and Lord of your life. He wants to make your life what it should and could be. He wants that for you. What did you want for your kids? What do you want for your kids? That's The heart of God for you. This is the reason why God told us he wanted us to relate to him in a familial way. Father to child, child to father. He says it over and over again. Old Testament to new. I am your father, I am your father, I am your father, I am your father. What's he trying to say? We have a relationship. I have friends that, you know, my, my father in law died a few years ago, four years ago now. It seems impossible, but. And through that, some of our elders have had lost parents. And, and you know, uh, we talk about that feeling. And I remember Quinn one time saying, calling me after uh, the passing of, of his, and he, and he said, hug your dad. He said, call your dad, talk to your dad, hug your dad. And you know, at that point I said, okay, you know, in my mind I was like, okay, yeah, I should, I should, I should do that. And you know, my dad and I, we've loved each other all of our lives, but we never, you know, he didn't understand me coming up and I didn't understand him. And so we didn't really have this close, close connection all my young life. And as I got older we begin to have a better connection. And then as I got even older than that, and and probably right now, we have the best relationship we ever had. But one of the reasons is a couple of years ago, I said, my dad doesn't know how to connect with me. I'm going to connect with him. And I made it a point to start connecting with him, start calling him. I always call, how many you call your mom? When you're gonna call a parent, you call your mom. How many you call your your son? That's who I call, I call my mom. But, but even when my dad's standing right there in the room, I know he's there because they're always together. They're inseparable. So I, I know they're together. They've been married for 59 years. And, 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 but I call mom instead of dad. And so I switched that. I started calling dad. And, and here's why. Because if you want to have a relationship, you have to commune. If you want to have a relationship, you have to communicate with one another. I love what Louis Giglio says. He says, God wants to be known by you. And you can know as much about him as you have the appetite and desire to know. It's completely in your corner. It's completely in your court. You are the one God is waiting on for that intimacy and that relationship. Don't ever say, where is God? God is right there. He is as close, the Bible says, as the mention of His name. The question isn't where is God. The question is, where are you? Adam and Eve, in the garden, when they fell, what's the first thing they do? They hid. And what did God do with them? He came to try to find them. They failed him. They did what he said not do. But still, what did he do? He came to, he's calling out, Adam, Adam, Adam. And finally Adam shows up and he says, why are you hiding in? Why, why are you covered up? And he said, well, we recognize we were naked. And he said, well, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? And they admitted and they repented and God brought judgment and had a plan for the salvation of man and started it, promised them right then, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this right. Even though you failed, I still want to be in a relationship with you. This is why it baffles me when we make a mistake or when we fail that we run from God. Or when we sin, we run from the church. Instead of running to God, into to the church because I can guarantee you God's not trying to chase you away God's saying hey 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 come on come on it's okay kid you fell off your bike get up it's all right we'll try it again let's try it again because that's what a father does so what does a challenge have to do with building a relationship with God how do how do we build a relationship with God is the question we should ask and how does he build a relationship with us first we have to define what a relationship with God is And we make sure we aren't substituting a relationship with other things for a relationship with him. Now, I want you to listen very closely to what I'm about to say to you because this is where we all can be guilty. And I don't think it's intentional and I don't think it's purposeful and I don't think we're trying to do it. I just think it happens. And I think we need to be aware of it so that we don't do it. So what happens is many times in an attempt to have a relationship with God, we don't have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with other things thinking it's a relationship with God. A relationship with community activism. In other words, I do good things for people. I'm involved in the community. I'm engaged in the community. And that is I'm being a Christian. That, that is an outgrowth of being a Christian, is helping people, loving people, caring for people. But that is not what a relationship with God is. That is a symptom of a relationship with God. Uh, sometimes we have a relationship with Christian concepts. And we think that's a relationship with God. Well, I do the thing, and I check the box on this, and I'm good to my family, and I pay my bills, and I and I you know I go to church, and I and I and I every once in a while read my Bible, and I you know I pray when I'm in trouble or when I need something, and I'm a, I'm I'm a Christian. That 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 is Christian concepts. That that is having a relationship with Christianity as a religion. That's not having a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we mix it up with a relationship with the church. We think because we attend church, we think because we show up, we think because we serve, we think because we're a part of the church body. We think because we, you know, we we got on the meal train and we helped feed somebody that was sick. That's I, that's my relationship with God. No, no, it's not. I come to church on a weekend. That's my relationship with God. No, it's not. These are all very good things, and all of them are manifest in our lives when we truly have a relationship with God, but they are not a relationship with God. They're all good, and we want them to flow from our relationship with God, but they are not, i say it again, a relationship with God. Nor can they replace a relationship with God and can even, listen, become idols to us And we start worshiping at those things instead of worshiping at the feet of Jesus. We start relating to religion instead of the relationship we have with God. Amen? Does everybody get that? And it's so easy to do. Why? Because it's something I can put my hand to. And it makes me feel good about myself. And that equates to me that God is okay with me. But that is not a relationship with God. A relationship with God isn't even morality. Well, I'm a good person. That's my relationship with God. No, you can be as good as you want to, but our righteousness is as filthy rags before God, as holy as we can possibly be as a human. Can't even touch righteousness. We have to have Jesus to have righteousness. We have to be in relationship with him to become righteous. It's not about morality. My relationship with morality is not my relationship with Jesus. My relationship with Jesus causes me to be moral. But it is not my relationship with Him. These are all good things. And they all flow from our relationship with God. So if those things are not a relationship with God, then what is a relationship with God? Well, once a person has made a decision to follow Christ and ask Him to come into their lives and change them, a relationship begins. And it progresses much like a human relationship would with a father and their child. It's a direct interactive, emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual connection. This is why the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, it is this connection to God in every way in a relationship with Him. So if that is what it is, then how do we do it? Well, we need to do it by getting started with one word. And this word is so often forgotten when we're having our theological musings. It's often laid to the side while we try to get our minds around deeper and more consequential spiritual ideas. However, it is the heart of spiritual development. It is the key to connection and intimacy in a relationship with Jesus. It is a word that we need to apply in every aspect of our lives that we want to succeed. It is a word that carries a meaning that creates the ingredients which create new habits and renews new mindsets it breaks old barriers it creates consistency and that word ladies and gentlemen is a word that we have forgotten it is a word that we have put out of our mind it is a word that we don't practice as christians and that word is daily everyone say daily Luke chapter 9 verse 23 says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Acts chapter 16 verse 5 says, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in Numbers. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. And the NIV says, besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 12. So that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But encourage one another daily. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Acts chapter 2 verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Daily, 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 daily. We as church leaders over the history of the church have been, Sent the wrong signal to believers that your relationship with God is a Sunday endeavor. It's just come to church on Sunday and worship God together and come to Sir church on Sunday and learn about the word. And it is very important, even vital, that you come to church on Sunday. I would, I, I'm trying to encourage everybody. Look, we're at 2024. All kinds of junk is happening all over the earth. It's time for us to stop playing church and get in the house of God every weekend. But I'm here to tell you that it's more than that. It's Daily. The church should be growing daily. That's what the Bible says. Not weekendly, but daily. People should be coming to, in your circle of influence, people should be coming to Jesus every day. Someone in this church should be winning someone else to Jesus every day. Daily. We should be praying every day. We should be, this is why it just shocks me when people don't do small groups or don't go to small groups. It shocks me. It's biblical. I'm not trying to get you to do it because it's a program we have. It's the Bible. They met every day. They loved every day. They prayed every day. They communed every day. But I got so much going on. Yeah, it's an idol to you, isn't it? You got so much going on. You're worshiping at the feet of other things. And you're saying, I want to have a relationship with God, so I have to reinterpret what that relationship is so that I can justify and rationalize my over-busy lifestyle so that I can do, say what I'm in relationship with God, even though I'm really not. It's the truth of all of us. It's so easy for us to be so filled up. That we forget this is about relationship. It's not about religion. It's not about doing a, a, a duty. It's about loving Jesus. Loving Jesus more than anything else. Loving Jesus more than my family. Loving Jesus more than my hobbies. Loving Jesus more than my, 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 my uh, career. Loving Jesus more than I love my own spouse. Loving Jesus more, loving Jesus more, and not just more, but with everything I have, heart, soul, mind, strength, loving him more, it's a daily activity, this is where we've gotten lost, we've gotten lost saying, let's just go to church, and if we go to church, then everything's going to be fine, but you know what, if you only visit someone every once in a while, you can't call that a relationship, oh, come on, everybody smile at me, I know it hurts, hurt me when I put the notes together. Y'all always act like I don't feel any of this, like I'm just telling you. Come on. There have been seasons in my life where I have been in relationship with ministry, but not with God. There have been moments in my life, and thank God only moments, where I've been in relationship with you, but not with God. It's all of us. And it's, that's why it's daily. That's why the power of four, if you haven't heard me talk about that, you need to go back and listen to the last week's message. That's why the power of four is so important. It's consistency. It's daily. <clears throat> Darren Hardy said this, and I love it. You will never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret of your success is found in your daily routine. I want to say something to you, and I want you to hear it. This relationship is not built in a day. It's built daily. We treat Christianity like it's built in a day. My whole relationship with God is built in that one day, that one moment where I raised my hand or I went to an altar or I went to the baptismal pool. That's it. My relationship with God, done. No. No. You can't find that in the Bible. You can't even get close to that in the Bible. That is so far away from what the Bible teaches that it's scary that that's how we think. Which tells me that the statistics are true that most Christians aren't reading their Bibles. Are you with me? How is our world going to hell in a handbasket? How has all this perversion happened? How is all people so deceived? Why is so much corruption? Blah, 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 blah. Are, really? Maybe it's because believers are not daily walking with the Lord. And because we have failed to daily walk with the Lord, it has created a culture where there's no barrier to any of that. There's no light pushing back that darkness. Because we're all busy trying to make it in the world and forgetting that this is a daily relationship with God. Therefore, darkness usurps the authority of the light. Everybody with me? So before we as believers point the picture at the world and say, you're so evil. We might want to look in the mirror and say, where am I at as it pertains to my daily walk with Christ? That's what this challenge is about. That's what this challenge is about. So if that's a relationship with God, and what is that relationship with God? It's daily communing in his word. Like listening to His Word, reading His Word, studying His Word and understanding it. Getting it in my heart and getting it in my mind. And then daily praying, seeking His face, talking to Him. This is what builds a relationship with God daily. When we do this daily, this is why I talk about it so much. Everybody's like, oh, of course we're supposed to do it. Well then do it, everybody. Come on. Let's stop saying we're supposed to do it and let's start doing it. And I'm not talking about some little bitty devotion where we don't really enter, you know, we do don't I'm not talking about some little duty or response, but let's get a couple of scriptures in. No, I'm talking about studying the word, seeking the face of God daily in communion with him. And seeing what he will do. It's what I call rubbing shoulders with Jesus. I used to think that if I prayed really hard, God would give me the anointing to be a good preacher. And I'd make a difference in people's lives. And so every day I'd pray, every day I'd pray, every day I'd pray. And one day I was praying and the Holy Spirit just stopped me. And I don't know how God talks to you, but he impresses things on my heart in a very sometimes rude way. He just interrupted me in the middle of my prayer and put on my heart, what are you doing? I was praying. If you'd not interrupt me, I'd keep praying. And I heard him say in my heart, you pray like you're earning the anointing. You pray like you're doing your job, and then I'm going to write you out a check for anointing on Sunday, and then it's going to be powerful, and people's lives are going to be changed. Now, just for your benefit, this was 30 years ago, so you didn't have to receive that. But, but that's what it was like. And the Lord said, do you not realize what's happening when you pray? And I said, oh, I guess not. And I was an avid prayer. Like, y'all, I pray and pray every day. I mean, I was praying. But my heart was looking at it from the wrong perspective. And God said, here's what's happening when you pray. You're in relationship with me. You're rubbing shoulders with me. And he asked me a question. Who is the anointed one? And I said, you're the anointed one. And he said, well, then the reason that you are anointed to do what I've called you to do is because you're hanging out with me, and you're becoming anointed by association. It's not because you earned it. It's because you spent time with me. How many of you have ever told your kids, I can tell who you're hanging out with? That rude kid you brought over here the other day, it's always a big old fat mouth, yakking and yakking. You don't no more hanging out with them. You're done with them. How many of you have ever been there? No parents are that courageous anymore, are they? I'd be like, out, cut, eh, out, or whatever that guy used to say. (laughs) But that's what happens when we're in relationship with God. By association with Him, we become more like Him. The Bible said that's the whole point, isn't it? Romans chapter 8, verse 29 to be conformed in the image of His dear Son. So here's how we practically develop and maintain an intimate relationship with God. Number one proximity. We got to get close to God. Well, what does that mean? I need to pick a place, and this is what I'm asking you to do in the challenge. Pick a place where you feel like you're going to most assuredly succeed at this challenge, because we want you to do it every day for the next 21 days, and we want you to pick a place where you feel like you're going to succeed if I do it there is this biblical? Jesus, Garden of Gethsemane, he picked a place. The most important thing he was about to do, he picked a specific place to go pray before he went and did that, right? Pick a place. And then you need to pick a time. And and listen to me, pick a time where there are no distractions. Pick a time where there are no distractions. Pick a time where there are no distractions. Well, I'm going to have to get up at four o'clock, then do it. You say, well, Pastor, you're just going too far. No, I'm not going too far. This is heaven and hell stuff, y'all. This is the city being saved or not, y'all. This is your neighbor coming to Jesus or not, y'all. I'm saying whatever you have to do. I I remember reading about, uh, who's the Methodist guy? The guy that started the Methodist churches in mind just left from Wesley, John Wesley. Wesley. His mother, they had like 11 kids in their family. And his mother literally was known to be a prayer. And she said at times in her life, she would just literally throw her apron over her head. She said, I had 11 kids in the house. How many ever it was. She threw her, she said, I throw my apron over my head and my kids knew, leave her alone. She's praying. We've got to get serious about making an appointment with God and keeping it. So pick a place, pick a time, and then know your purpose. Know why you're there. Do what you came to do. Leave everything else behind. Leave your phone out. I know, well, I do you version this and that. Leave it out. Why? Because at the same time, every notification is going to pop up. You're going to slide over to Facebook. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And you're going to miss the moment of the presence of God because you were digitally interrupted. Come on. Let's get serious about this. Remember what you're there to do. Everybody say amen or oh me or whatever i know you're addicted it's okay break that addiction and get rid of that phone at least for some time with god how rude to show up how how many of you would sit and eat dinner with somebody if you were trying to have dinner with them and they were looking at their phone the whole time you had met you'd said you want to meet and have dinner how rude that we would do that with god oh don't don't get serious with me now the second thing is ponder. Contemplate the words of God. So here's what I want you to do. One chapter a day. We're going to do John because John has 21 chapters. So start today. One chapter a day. You say, well, that's not really a lot. No, I know it. I know it. It's on purpose. I want you to focus on that one chapter. I want you to get your journal. Somebody throw me a journal real quick. One of those journals. She says, what I want you to do, I want you to get, get your journal and I, I want you to on one side... I want you to put the date and the time up at the top and then I want you to put at the top the date and time and then over here I want you to say, write down the, the, the chapter you're on and then right under that chapter I want you to put a question, what is God saying to me? And then after you read that chapter, you may read it two or three times, but just that chapter and then ask that question and just listen to the Holy Spirit and whatever you believe God is saying to you from that chapter, then write it down underneath that question. So one chapter a day, ask the question, what is God saying to me? And then extrapolate what stands out to you in that passage of scripture and write it down. Then the third thing I want you to do is pray. I want you to converse with God. Now, what I'm gonna challenge you to do is gonna be different for some of you, but I think it'll be good for you. Don't overcomplicate prayer. It's just a conversation. It's a conversation with God. It doesn't have to be done religiously. It doesn't have to be done in old English. Come on y'all, you don't have to talk in King James to talk to God. Oh, my Father, how art thou? What the earth? Uh, uh, Pleaseth, giveth meeth what I needeth. No. I remember one time we were at a revival and there's this really plain-spoken guy, and he was just a normal guy. He's a pastor. My dad was doing a revival at his church, and at the end he was going to close us in prayer. And I mean this guy, let, let's just say it this way, he was a hick. That's the only way I know to say it. He was just country as cornbread. And, and we loved him for it. I mean, it's just who he was. But when he got to pray to close the service, he was like, oh, mighty God. I literally looked up to see who was praying because I was like, that can't be him. You don't have to dress up for God. You have to be reverential, respectful, but you don't have to dress your words up. Well, I'm not articulate enough. This will help you. I want you to write your prayers out. Now, you might think, well, write them out. Yes, I'm not talking about write what you think about prayer. I'm saying write your prayers out. Like, it, what you're saying to God, write it. And you might say, well, that's, 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 that's too stiff and too... Listen, when we speak, sometimes we can just be all over the place and we can just be redundant and just say the same things we always say. But when you write, it makes you more intentional. So when you're writing your prayer to God, you're literally be, you're thinking about what you're saying and 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 you should praise him like you should see my prayer from this morning it's written out it's like it's like father i praise you i, I thank you and then i just start thanking him for things and, and 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 here's what i'm thankful for and here's why i love you and here's you've done this for me and just like i would pray here in front of you i'm writing that out and here's what it does it makes your prayers more intentional and then it takes the intimidation out of praying i don't know what to say i'm not articulate enough just write it out and sometimes you feel like, well, I don't know what else to say when I pray. I don't even know how to pray. Just start writing to God. Now, don't write just something. Write to God. And this what what it does. is It creates an opportunity for you to see the hand of God. I, I won't go into the details of it, but I'll tell you that what I do is I, leave, I write out my prayers. And then any part of that prayer where I ask God for something, I leave a huge blank you could do it on the other side. Like you could write your prayers on one side and leave this other page blank if you wanted to. Or you could just leave it blank underneath. I don't care how you do that. But I just leave it blank because I do it on my iPad. And here, and here's what, I, here's what I would say to do. Here's what I'd say to do. You pray those prayers and leave a blank. Because then you can go back when God answers your prayer. And you can write out the date in a different color pen. And you can say how God answered that and what it was like. And let me tell you something. I went back just the other day and looked. And you know when Sydney was going through all this, seeking the face of God. What do you want me to do? And where do you want me to go? As a dad, I was desperate for God to direct her and guide her. I didn't want her to make a mistake or go off the rails or do something that wasn't what she's supposed to do. And as she was praying, I was praying. And I'm telling you. I, can't. I had I went back and just filled in blanks of where I had prayed prayers and God answered. Here's how He did it. Here's when He did it. Here's what He did. And I cannot even tell you the things, the specific, detailed things that God did on her behalf that I can go back in my own prayer journal and look at and say, look what God can do. Look what He can do. He can move mountains. He can change things. He can raise the mountains and lower the valleys and straighten out the paths. This is who our God is, and this is what He can do. And how important it is for us to be able to turn back to that and do it. Our vision here at Summit Churches to connect, grow, go. It starts with the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God, and then it flows uh, to the understanding of how to love ourselves, and the outflow of that helps us to love others. Relationship is everything. First our relationship with God, then each other. We connect with God and each other through relationship, sharing love mutually. This is relationship, and this is what changes our lives. So I want to ask you today, I want to ask you today, will you take this challenge? Just 21 days. Say, Pastor, I'm with you. Here's what I know. It's going to change your life if you'll commit to do this exactly like we're asking you to do it. And then join that Facebook group. If you're not on there, join there. Get on Facebook and join that group because we're going to talk every day about it. We're going to say what God's doing in my life. as I. People are going to give testimonies of what God's doing in their life as they go through this. So who's willing to say, I'm going to take this challenge, I'm going to take it. If you're willing, I want you to get your book, the journal, it's in your deal, and I want you to stand up, and I want you to hold it up high and say, I'm taking this challenge, I will do this. If you don't want to do it, don't do it, but if you're willing to take this challenge, just do it. And I'm asking you as you take this challenge to do exactly the way I've advised you to do it because I'm telling you it will make a huge difference in your life. You might say in here today, I'm not saved, I don't know Jesus. Take the challenge and see what happens. Well, I I really don't know about, I don't really understand the Bible and all that. Take the challenge and see what happens. I'm really struggling with this sin in my life. Take the challenge and see what happens. You know, we're sending people to, to stuff. You need help with this and go to this and go to that and go to this. And, and, and we know by that power of four information that if they'll just consistently pray and read the word, their life will change. We know it. It's proven. So let's take the challenge, man. Thank you all for doing this. Please do this. Please do this. I'm, I'm begging you to do it. So here's what I want to do. I want you to say this confession with me. It's going up on the screen right now. And this is kind of our confession at Summit Church. And here's what I want you to do. Let's be silly and grab the hand of the person next to you. And I want you to say this with me. All together, it's up on the screen. Here at Summit, we are connecting with God and each other through deep, abiding relationships. As disciples of Jesus, we are committed to grow in our faith and church community we are inspired to carry the gospel into the world locally and globally let's go father we ask you right now in the name of Jesus we're committing this to you and I know it's going to change our lives I know it's going to change our church I know it's going to increase the sharing of faith with others I know it's going to increase victory personal victory in the life of individuals i know it's going to increase salvations and sanctification i know it's going to increase the baptism of your holy spirit i know it's going to increase the healing and deliverance of your people i know it's going to increase our desire to fulfill your purpose and i pray over every single person who has said i will take this challenge i pray that god you will empower them as paul the apostle said i know to whom i have committed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. In Jesus' name I declare it over every one of us and I give you praise. Come on, can we just give God a big hand clap of praise this morning? Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church Podcast.